Production. Recorded live. All right, good morning. Good morning. Once again, forgive me for the late start this morning. Um, usually pretty punctual and on time, but uh, things happen. At any rate, good morning. Glad to have you on the call. Um, taking a sip of coffee here just to clear my mind. Uh, today's call, um, I'm not going to talk very long. As a matter of fact, uh, it's going to be very brief, as brief as I possibly can. Uh, like they say, no sense in over-exaggerating the fact, or no sense in trying to make the point twice when you've already made the point. And no sense in trying to hit a home run two times when you only got one time at that. So today's topic uh, will be definitely um, getting to something that I have found to be very important. Um, so important. I think it serves everybody, and I'm talking everybody. I'm not talking just uh, common men and women. I'm not talking just them. I'm talking everybody, anybody who is someone, anyone. um, has everybody's name all over it. Very, very important. For us to know a few things or at least be aware and as I stated before being aware of knowledge is one thing but being able to prove and have proof of what you know is a totally different story so with that being said uh I'll go ahead and start to bring this out. Um, you all can, you know, have a listen and uh, go ahead and um, take questions or comments afterwards. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for joining us on the call. I love calling you Alphabet City. I don't know why. But I, I see that A through F with, you know, the number at the end of that. Alphabet, Alphabet City. So for this call purpose, you're Alphabet City, okay? I hope you don't mind. All right, let's get started, people. Now, I hope you all can hear me. I hope you all can hear me. So I'm going to start off by reading something to you. Okay, I'm going to read something to you, and what I'm going to read to you, you may have heard before, but let's bring it into perspective today. Reading from a website, and I'm going to give you the web address right now so you can go ahead and read for yourself as well, okay, but this brings home a lot of things for me as far as my understanding goes 
website that I'm reading from I've just typed into the chat. Okay. That page is specific. The one I'm going to be reading from right now. And it's not a long read, but let's 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 get into this. All right. Executive order of the President of the United States, George Bush, from 89 to 93. Infrastructure privatization dated April 30th of 1992. I'm going to be reading this verbatim from what it says. By the authority vested in me as president by the Constitution, and the laws of the United States of America. And in order to ensure that the United States achieves the most beneficial economic use of its resources, it is hereby ordered as follows. Section 1, definitions for purposes of this order, privatization means the disposition or transfer of an infrastructure asset, such as by sale or by long-term lease from a state or local government to a private party. Infrastructure asset means any asset financed in whole or in part by the federal government and needed for the functioning of the economy. Examples of such assets include but are not limited to roads, tunnels, bridges, electricity supply facilities, mass transit, rail transportation, airports, ports, waterways, water supply facilities, recycling, and wastewater treatment facilities solid waste disposal facilities, housing, schools, prisons, and hospitals. Originally authorized purposes means the general objectives of the original grant program. However, the term is not intended to include every condition requires for a grantee to have obtained the original grant. Transfer price means the amount paid or to be paid by a private party for an infrastructure asset. If the asset is transferred as a result of a competitive bidding of the appraised value of an infrastructure asset, as determined by the head of the executive department or agency and the director of the Office of Management and Budget, Asset is not transferred as a result of competitive bidding. State and local governments means the government of any state of the United States, District of Columbia, any commonwealth, territory, or possession of the United States, and any country, municipality, city, town, township, local public authority, school district, special district, 
intrastate district, regional or interstate governmental entity, council of governments, and any agency or instrumentality of a local government, and any federally recognized Indian tribe. Section 2, we're almost finished, people. Section 2, fundamental principles. Executive departments and agencies shall be guided by the following objectives and principles. Adequate and well-maintained infrastructure is critical to economic growth. Consistent with principles of federalism enumerated in executive order, write this down, executive order number 12612. And in order to allow the private sector to provide for infrastructure modernization and expansion, State and local government should have greater freedom to privatize infrastructure assets. I'm going to read that section once more. Executive departments and agencies shall be guided by the following objectives and principles. Adequate and well-maintained Infrastructure is critical to economic growth. Consistent with the principles of federalism enumerated in Executive Order Number 12612. And in order to allow the private sector to provide for infrastructure modernization and expansion, state and local governments should have greater freedom to privatize infrastructure assets. Private enterprise and competitively driven improvements are the foundation of our nation's economy and economic growth. Federal financing of infrastructure assets should not act as a barrier to the achievement of economic efficiencies through additional private market financing or competitive practices or State and local governments are in the best position to assess the response to local needs. State and local governments should, subject to assuring continued compliance with federal requirements that public use be on reasonable and non-discretionary terms, have maximum possible freedom to make decisions concerning the maintenance and disposition of their federally financed infrastructure assets. User user fees are generally more efficient than general taxes as a means to support infrastructure assets. Privatization, transactions, should be structured so as not to result in unreasonable increases in charges to users. Hmm, the word users, use of, hmm, where have we heard that before? Let's continue. Privatization initiative. 
To the extent permitted by law, the head of each executive department and agency shall undertake the following actions. Review those procedures affecting the management and disposition of federally financed infrastructure assets owned by state and local governments and modify those procedures to encourage appropriate privatization of such assets consistent with this order. Assist state and local governments in their efforts to advance the objectives of this order and approve state and local governments' requests to privatize infrastructure assets. Consistent, consistent with the criteria in Section 4 of this order, where necessary, grant exceptions to the disposition requirements of the uniform administrative requirements for grants and cooperative agreements, state and local governments, common rule or other relevant rules or regulations for infrastructure assets, provided that the transfer price shall be distributed as paid in the following manner. State and local governments shall first recoup. Hmm, claims and recoupment, huh? State and local governments shall first recoup in full the unadjusted dollar amount of their portion of total project costs. Including any transaction that picks up costs they incur associated with the infrastructure assets involved. If proceeds remain, then the federal government shall recoup in full the amount of federal grant awards associated with the infrastructure assets. Less the applicable, less the applicable share of accumulated depreciation on such assets, which means calculating using the Internal Revenue Service Accelerated Depreciation Schedule for the categories of assets in question. Something they came up with for that agency to do. And finally, the state and local government shall keep any remaining proceeds. Okay? Okay, almost finished. Criteria. Okay, check it out. To the extent permitted by law, the head of an executive department or agency shall approve a request in accordance with Section 3C of this order only if the grantee agrees to use the proceeds described in Section 3C3 of this order only for investment in additional infrastructure assets after public notice of the proposed investment or for debt or tax reduction and demonstrates that a market mechanism, legally enforceable agreement, or regulatory mechanism will ensure that the infrastructure asset or assets will continue to be used for their originally authorized purposes as long as needed for those purposes, even if the purchaser becomes insolvent or is otherwise hindered from fulfilling the originally authorized purposes. 
and user charges will be consistent with any current federal conditions that protect users and the public by limiting the charges. Section 5, Government-Wide Coordination and Review. In implementing Executive Order Numbers 12291 and 12498, in OMB Circular Number A-19, the Office of Management and Budget, to the extent permitted by law, and consistent with the provisions of those authorities, shall take action to ensure that the policies of the Executive Department and agencies are consistent with the principles, criteria, and requirements of this order. The Office of Management and Budget shall review the results of implementing this order and report thereon to the President one year after the date of this order. Section 6, Preservation of Existing Authority. Nothing in this order is in any... is in any... Wait. Read that again. Nothing in this order is in any intended to limit any existing authority of the heads of executive departments and agencies to approve privatization proposals that are otherwise consistent with law. Section 7, Judicial Review. This order is intended only to improve the internal management of the executive branch and is not intended to create any right or benefit, substantive or procedural, enforceable by a party against the United States, its agencies or instrumentalities, its officers or employees, or any other person. Ah, signed George Bush, White House, April 30th of 1992. Okay. Now, we got a mouthful there. We have the link to that web page posted in the chat. Now, after reading all of that, we know we got a bunch of things that are said over and over again and a bunch of things that are stated in the circular type of way, meaning that they're saying the same thing over again just in a different way. But here's, here's my concern. First of all, let's start back here at the beginning for a moment. If, and if it is true that the United States conscripted everything, meaning what an interest in everything everything under the Libra Code Law of Nations and the rules of land and warfare under military process and under military codes that would make the United States, not the United States of America, but the United States, which is a corporation of the United States of America, the occupying military provisional 
government. Provisional meaning temporary. And under the rules, under the rules of the Sliver Code and the land and the laws of land and warfare. And even under the, the uh, law of nations, that creates a usufructuary type trust relationship where the occupying force has use of the things and the objects in the territory that is occupied temporary rule over the occupied territory. And only have interests in the things that they're using. Which really would mean that they don't own anything. Even anything that they create. Anything. A, uh, you know, pretty much uh, create assembly plants to assemble cars, trucks, motorcycles, other uh, modes of travel, boats, uh, water skis, water jets, uh, airplanes, helicopters, space shuttles. They don't own these things. They only have interest in these things because they're using the resources of the territory that they're temporarily occupying. Those resources belong to the men and women of that territory that they're occupying early. Number two. How do you privatize and engage in commercial activity if you're claiming broke? That's one I still haven't figured out. Claiming bankruptcy. How are you holding assets that you can privately sell? As for my understanding, if you're bankrupt, you don't hold any assets. You don't have anything to profit from, privately or publicly. Nothing. That's my understanding. And if I am wrong, I will stand corrected. But it makes sense to me that if you're bankrupt and you claim it broke, but yet you're privately selling off goods and structures that you don't own, then something is wrong there. Something is very, very wrong. Yeah, because if you're a 
provisional government, if there's a provisional government in place that is occupying this territory under the war or under the rules of war and conquest, you have a usufructuary relationship with the inhabitants and only have the use of things but don't have ownership of things. How are you privatizing everything that was mentioned in that order and putting it on the open market and claiming proceeds while you're in so-called bankruptcy, insolvency? How are you doing that? Something just does not add up. And if that is the case, if that really is the case, then what we have here is a whole bunch of treaty violations on an international scale, namely the UNCTRAL Convention. Because I'm quite sure that there's more than this just involved, but generally accepted accounting practices is a rule under, under UNCTRAL. And if you're giving an account for things that, or facts and figures that declare your insolvency, where in the hell are you getting assets from? Unless, of course, by tacit acquiescence, meaning silent agreement, they made a proposal to the inhabitants and said, okay, this is what we're going to do, this is what we're going to do, and this is how we're going to do it. And since nobody said no, they went on ahead and did it. But that would be akin to this. Let's say uh, you go on a vacation and you're going to be gone for a couple of weeks. You might want somebody to be at your house. Watch your house uh, to kind of keep things in running order, you know, turn the lights on, turn, run the faucets, flush the toilets, feed <clears throat> um, the animals if you have any pets, walk the dog, change the litter box for the cat, clean the water for the fish. And you may tell them, hey, I'll tell you what, you got use of my house for the next two weeks, okay? But how would you feel if you came back from vacation and there was another group of people living in your house? And you walk in and you say, okay, um, what's going on here? First thing people want to know is, who are you? They say, I live here. This is my house. Who are you? Someone says to you, I just bought this house. Uh, Houston, we have a problem. Because under a usufructuary relationship, that's defined. You only have use of something. You don't have ownership. Use of the thing gives you interest. You have an interest in that person keeping 
their house. Why? Because whenever they need you, they'll call you to come over and stay there, which gives you a benefit as well as them. But here what we have by this executive order is, hey, we snatched all your stuff. Because you did the deck, we're going to sell it to the highest bidder. But I tell you what we're going to do, we're going to keep our people in place to maintain everything. No, 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 I don't think so. So if any of you on this call have been having issues with reversion, you can see why now. Because we have a few things going on. We have claims of bankruptcy and insolvency, meaning that this provisional government that is occupying certain territories cannot operate commercially for profit and for gain. They cannot hold assets. They cannot enter into sale transactions. They have to pay off their creditors. They seem to be having a problem doing that over the last, oh, Hundred years or so, two hundred years, three hundred years. Is it a wonder why the uh, quote-unquote currency that they're using is not the standard for the world markets anymore? Is it a wonder why at the financial summits the uh, rulers of other countries? decided that, hey, we want our share of what you owe us, pretty much got upset when they said, oh, we'll give it to you in so-and-so-and-so amount of time. They said, no, that's unacceptable. You know, when somebody does a margin call on me, you're supposed to pay up right then and there. You're not supposed to say, oh, well, yeah, give me uh, give me X amount of time to do this. They don't have to agree to that because it's owed right then and there rule of the agreement of the contract of the stipulation so if you're having a problem doing the reversion is it any wonder why sometimes they take the sweet time and it seems like things just don't happen and things just don't go through well if they sold things that did not belong to them in violation of public trust and international treaties, it would make sense why the interest did not revert back to them. In other words, if I sell a house, it belongs to somebody else, first of all, which is just a total bogus violation. And somebody who understood that I had interest in that property paying me rent, I can't collect that rent because I've sold it to somebody else. But unbeknownst to that individual, that man or that woman, they're still believing that I'm owed rent. 
or that I have to take care of maintenance on the house. Because as far as they know, the last one who had an interest in it was me. And that was a stipulation between myself and those people who were at that house. That, hey, I'm going to take care of it. Now, they send me something in the mail and say, okay, here. Well, we need this done. All of a sudden, I I don't do anything. Things just fall apart. Well, of course, they're going to fall apart if they don't know that I no longer hold interest there. But the appearance is, well, the management team is here. And... uh, they're still collecting uh, rents, and we're sending, you know, invoices to say, hey, you know, we had to take care of this, and we had to take care of that, and we had to take care of this, because you all didn't do it. Well, guess what? Breach of agreement. In this case, breach of trust. Breach, breach of the usufruct. That means that now everything reverts back to me or to that man or that woman who's been following the rules. Ownership now reverts back to that man or that woman because naked owner has decided that, hey, uh, I'm not going to take care of that. Why? Because according to generally accepted accounting practices, they can't take it because they have no interest anymore. People, I've been saying, something is amiss here. Something is wrong. And even though they say, okay, we put it out there for you. Um, no, they haven't. Because they speak speak in such language that is not understandable and comprehensible by common man. It's not common language. It's like the Japanese occupying a territory where the inhabitants speak Swahili. And they put out everything in Japanese. People don't know what you're talking about. They have no clue. Because you haven't brought it forth in such a way that everybody can understand what the heck you're talking about. Something here is definitely amiss. Something is wrong. Something ain't right. And what I did in reading that executive order to you was put out there exactly what the hell is going on. They violated their public trust. They violated the public trust. That's sanctionable. They violated international treaties according to that because there's no more use of fraud. If they sold your car your house, the roads that you travel on, the waterways that boats move on, the airports, 
the um, the ports, the schools, the hospitals, this and this and this. They're saying, well, we built it with federal funds. Well, where'd you get the funding? And I'm not talking about accounting. Where'd you get the physical, physical representation of the funding to be able to make a transaction like that? You got it from the inhabitants that were here. Took their resources and you used them. Not only did you use them, you claimed rights of ownership to them. Can you see where this is going, people? Can you see that something is wrong? Okay. Now, for the second part of this thing, they're claiming everybody the employees, instrumentalities of their so-called supposed and alleged government, provisional government. Well, here's the thing. The United States hasn't had any employees in a long, long time. This executive order right here proves it even more. They sold the infrastructure asset. Asset of the infrastructure. Aren't employees an asset to an infrastructure for a company? So what they do? They sold all the positions. They didn't sell the people. No, no, no. They wouldn't be brazen enough to do that above board. They sold the positions that they occupied to the highest bidder, which means now there are no more employees of the United States. doesn't exist. Can you see that something ain't right here? Can you see that something is wrong? Something is all messed up. Okay. So knowing this now, what the hell do we do about it? Well, in my estimation, all goes back to this use of Because when you violate use of relationship, when you take on the role of an executor or a naked owner and you don't have a right but you simply exercise privileges of it, now you become liable. Meaning, if John over there didn't offer his home to the leasing company or the management team, I should say, the management, the administrators, and that's John's home. You take John's home from him without his knowledge and without his say-so, what just happened? You just stole John's home. Hmm. Interesting enough, 
what I'm saying is you fellow men and women we're being treated like public trash the only way that I see it's feasible right the wrongs is for us to actually update our status as to who we really are. Step back from this fictional board of this fictional sick and twisted game that's being played and put up our claims as True Freeman has said so many times before. However, the twist to it, I, I believe, it's just a twist, is as a public entity, a fiction, you cannot make a claim. However, as a true serial man a woman can do that, but that has to be recognized. And in their world, they recognize paper. Paper, paper, paper runs their world. Runs their world. All over the place. Everywhere. I'm going to go back to it one more time and say it again. I've said this on previous calls. And now that I've done this research and this study, it's all coming together for me now. The only way that anything is going to change is when our status changes. What are we changing from and what are we changing to? Well, number one, we're married to this dead thing, this corporate identity, this facade, this mask. We are joined with it. In a sense, we are wearing it in their world because they're making a presumption that, yeah, we're the occupying force. We can run you through a martial process because the presumption is is that, okay, you're um, subject to our martial process, to our provisions. You're subject to being steamrolled, walked on, trampled on. Hey, you're subject to that. We're going to run you through martial process, military justice. Every single flag that you see in most courtrooms have those gold fringes on them. Those are all military flags. Well, where do military flags fly? In the military, on parade decks, military bases, installations, um, enclavements, bases courts. There has been no judiciary in this country for over 200 years. However, there's the appearance of it, the appearance of a judge, the appearance of uh, judicial personnel. But because of the position they've taken in occupation of the land, under the rules of land and warfare, they're only executive administrators. Judges do not enforce statutes and codes. 
executive administrators. Administrators, use of rock, enforce statutes and codes. No wonder people have a hard time doing processes in court that are common law. Or that bring into um, effect maxims. Because once you rebut the presumption that you are subject to, to a martial process under military codes of justice, it's very difficult for them to do anything else because that means that when it comes to you, they have to take that military flag out of that courtroom and bring in a civil flag. One that does not have those representations of gold fringes and representations of what's going on here. Hmm. Interesting enough. With your houses and these so-called mortgages and promissory notes and all of this stuff, all of it's run under provisional government. Temporary government, the occupying army. And now that we see that they have sold off everything that does not belong to them, that they only held an interest in and not ownership, that's a breach of trust. And nobody caught it. Sad to say, when it went down, nobody said, hey, 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 wait a damn minute here. What the hell are you doing? What are you trying to pull here? You can't do that. No, 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 I don't agree to that. Mm-mm. However, remember, oaths of office, executive orders, even proclamations are all public Offerings contracts. And going in line with what the Creator says in our Bibles, agree with that adversary quickly, lest they take you to the judge and the judge throw you into prison to where you will be held and you will not be released until you pay the very last penny, the very last farthing. Yeah, accept it, agree with it. Accept their oath, agree with it, accept their proclamations, their oath, agree with it. Why? Because, yeah, I can agree. Like, yeah, you've made this proclamation. However, is it not true that according to the rules of land and warfare and the usufructuary trust relationship that we have, that you only hold beneficial interest and not ownership. Is it not true that this is a breach of trust? Is it not true that this is a breach of international conventions? Generally accepted accounting practices. Is it not true that in bankruptcy you are not allowed to hold, transfer, sell, profit, and gain off of assets. Is it not true that in bankruptcy you cannot hold assets 
paper, paper, paper. However, when does that become effective? When do you really have teeth with it? When your status is updated to separate yourself. Because of the Trading with the Enemy Act 1917, which was a World War I statute. Because there was a world war going on and there were allies and there were enemies. Technically speaking, in war, nobody can be trusted. So the United States did, according to the Constitution, and said, okay, we're going to allow these corporations and these businesses to run here on our soil. However, they're going to have to get special permission. It's going to be the privilege that we're going to extend them to be licensed, to have permits, to um, to register, and go by our rules which can be changed at any time to suit our purposes for the purpose of this occupation. Trading with the Enemy Act defined all corporate entities, all corporate bodies, all associations and businesses and companies and all that stuff and things that were here set up by possible foreigners or enemies. We didn't know. Well, I won't say we, but they didn't know be able to operate here because you are in some serious hot water you're at war and you're allowing the enemy to do business on your soil because according to the constitution which is a violation and international treaty as well you're giving aid comfort and quarter to the enemy conflict of interest secondly in the 30s with the emergency bank relief act that was an amendment to the World War One statute trading with the Enemy Act. And it amended it by expanding the provisions of the Trading with the Enemy Act throughout all of the territories of the United States, which they set up ten federal districts. Remember that? During the Reconstruction era? Spread it all over the map. All over North America. said, yeah, these are federal districts. Therefore, their justification was if there are any enemies trading here, guess what? We're going to regulate the hell out of them. But it included language and verbiage that common people used on an everyday basis, such as persons. So now the presumption is, is that everybody is subject to this, which is why Motor vehicle wants you to license yourself and register your car as a motor vehicle and be subject to all of the rules and provisions of the privileges that they're extending. This is why they want your house on the tax rolls. This is why they want the um, zoning board officials to come out. This is why they want you to get licensed contractors to build your home. This is why they want your children registered in their public schools. All based on a presumption that is not backed up by any fact. It's just a presumption of something true. 
that isn't necessarily true. But we've never rebutted the presumption with our own claims of truth. We've never put anything on paper because it was always presumed that, hey, we're not the enemies. And that held up for a little while until they reorganized. It didn't really forthrightly come forth with things and say, well, hey, to all of you who are not enemies, this is what you have to do to show that you're not an enemy because now the rules have changed. No, 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 no. They expect you to read their jargon comprehend what their jargon says, which most people wouldn't understand anyway, because you're educated to, number one, go according to their rules and their privileges and all their stuff they're offering, and you're educated in a very, very selective type way, know certain things and to be ignorant about others, or to be confused on issues. So, we have a conundrum here, people. I see. As I said earlier, I might be right. I might be incorrect. I'm incorrect. I'll stay incorrect. Somebody just please tell me if I'm correct or not. Have you done homework? Have you done research? You put pieces together. If you have, then maybe you can add. Maybe you can shed some light. This is what I see based on the paper that's in front of me, based on what I read this morning on the call. Something is definitely wrong. Now I'm going to tell you this story, and then I'm going to open up the lines in case anyone wants to chime in. But before I tell this story, I'm going to say this. Passport application, it asks you, are you a U.S. citizen? Or are you other non-resident alien? Well, non-resident alien would actually be a better choice because a citizen of the United States, I'm, not, I'm sorry, wrong terminology because that's different from a U.S. citizen. A U.S. citizen subject to the power of the United States. Why? Because the United States is first. U.S., then citizen. U.S. there is controlling. Why? Because it's in the first position. Like musical chords. So, me, so, ti. One, three, five, seven. The controlling chord is always always the lower chord, the lowest note is always controlling because the chord is built on that. Without the lowest note, you cannot build a musical chord. You have to have a bass. Bass then controls the sound of the rest of the notes. So the bass, the bottom, the first is always the controlling. If that phrase or that term, U.S. citizen, U.S. is in the first position. Citizen is in second. 
secondary subject. Whereas citizen of the United States is a totally different thing. First to a citizen of the several states, citizen of the United States of America proper, exercising their dual citizenship. Passport application, filled in correctly and submitted, puts you back in that puts you back in that scenario of your dual citizenship. Citizen your state citizenship or your citizenship within the state where you were born or the state that you call home for all intents and purposes, as well as the United States of America proper. All several states joined together, united. But at any rate, let me tell you this story, and then I'm going to open up the lines. And this goes right along with um, with what we've been bringing up this morning. All right, guess two. I'm going to get to your question in a moment. I used to work um, some years back. I used to work for an energy company, you know, um, what they call ESCOs, so secondary, uh, you know, supplier, you know. And uh, the pitch was we get in there, you know, and we sit through three days of seminar training, and we go out in the field. And, of course, you know, at first you go out there, you knock from door to door because this is what we used to have to do, go door to door and knock and see people home and basically, basically in a nutshell, tell them, hey, listen, there are charges on your bill that, you know, might be paying that you don't necessarily have to pay. Can I show those to you? And then can I give you, you know, or offer you a way to make that happen make it better for you, at least those charges you won't be paying, but you'll still be getting the same energy. Okay. Well, that's all part of the game. It's all part of the game. Um, it's a way for these companies to get businesses, third-hand suppliers. But at any rate, here was the thing. The interest that they had was in us producing numbers of contracts every week. And at first, when I began, first starting off maybe four contracts, six contracts a week, there were sharks in this company. There were people who had been there for, I don't know, years. And because we were new and because we were green, they want to kind of split contracts with us. And so, here, you write up this one, and I'm going to write up this one. You know that game. Well, at any rate, as time went on and I got seasoned, you know, I, I didn't do that with anybody. If I wanted to throw somebody a bone, I would, but I didn't feel obligated because now I knew what I was doing. And I became good at what I did. And so now instead of doing four contracts a week, I'm doing like 40-plus contracts per week. There was one guy who worked at the company who was doing an average of 90 contracts a week. One one week he hit a hundred. Wow, he's really doing it. But here was the thing: 
paychecks came, notice a lot of people were complaining that they were short. And at first I didn't see it, but then I began to see it in my stuff too because all of the large deals that I began to write, you know, houses that were using so many kilowatts of electricity a month, so many therms of gas a month, for some reason those contracts were always put in abeyance. I never got paid for those. But the smaller ones, the insignificant ones, oh, yeah, I used to get those. To the point where finally I just got tired of it and I left the company. Uh, I found out this. And what was happening was when the paperwork was submitted, it would be intercepted by the office managers. And what they would do is they would purposely have somebody put a hold on those contracts. And no matter how much, you know, I might have complained to whoever it was in uh, head office, the issues never got resolved. And they would say to me, oh, well, you got to go back to so-and-so and so and talk to them because obviously you must have done something wrong. You wrote in the account number wrong. And I would always double and triple check my work before I submitted it. I knew it was right. What was happening was, on paper it was right, but in the system there was a digit off with the customer's name. And then 30 days later, after the offer expired, what would happen is one of the supervisors would go back out to that particular home and tell them, I am from this company, one of our representatives came and, um, you know, offered you this and signed you up with us, but uh, the uh, paperwork they submitted was not correct, so we have to come out here and correct the record for you. We just want to make sure this is your account number, so-and-so-and-so. Is this this all correct according to your bills and everything? Okay, sign here. They have stole my contract. Well, think about the executive order I just read. This morning, match it up to that scenario I just told you about. Isn't that what they just did to all of us? And they just steal us. Sinister asses. Okay. Guess number two. Correcting status the proper way besides an SS5 would be a DS11. DS11. Now, an SS5, if I'm not mistaken, is, in, is a form for Social Security number. However, um, there is, from what I've been told and what I've seen and been exposed to, a way, excuse me, a way to um, rescind your election to uh, be subject and liable to federal income tax. But uh, from what I've been told and what I'm researching, you have to rescind your election because when you have filled out a 1040, you have elected or volunteered to give a tribute. And that remains in their system, and they expect it time after time after time. Just like when you see one of these um, telethons or charitable things on TV, you know, feed the children, save the children. Uh, muscular Dystrophy Association, Cancer Association, once you make one 
donation, one charitable donation. Once you make one election, every single year like clockwork, they're going to hit you with letters. They're going to hit you with mail. All except when you make this election, they reclassify your status as a taxpayer voluntarily. So therefore, you would have to rescind your election by way of affidavit so that you um, are no longer identified as a taxpayer. And actually, that is in the U.S. Code. I can't cite it off the top of my head right now, but it is there. It is in writing. So, to answer your question, to update your status, you would do a DS-11. You would not be a U.S. citizen. You would not use a physical location for yourself as far as mailing. Uh, and you would not describe uh, where you're from as, um, you know, an instrumentality of the United States. Through the DS-11, you would fill it out properly. You would submit it to, you know, the agency that issues passports. They're going to go ahead and issue your passport and your passport card. You're going to also request, when you submit the application, you're also going to make a qualified written request for a certified copy of your application to be returned with your passport book and card so that you can now take that certified copy, get it authenticated by the Secretary of State in your state with the information on it. That way it has basically an endorsement from the Secretary of State that this is true, correct, complete. I would even I would even suggest that you take it up to the uh, Department of State level and get it authenticated as well. And then you take that application over to Social Security and have them update some ident in your ESP fields, which is your descriptions. Based on the information on that form that has been authenticated and endorsed by the proper authorities. So, I hope that answers your question. All right, everybody. Um, here's what I'm going to do. I got some people on the phone. I know you don't have your hands up, but I'm going to unmute you. If you want to go ahead and speak your piece, please go ahead and do so. Um, what I'll do is I'll unmute you one at a time so that you can go on and um, go on and speak or just say hi if you want to. Um, at this time, let me see. Yes, it is. The DS11 example is in my Facebook group called The Flip Side. It is posted there, how you should fill it out. Now, one thing I must say is a lot of people have asked me this question. I want to clarify this. When they ask you for a Social Security number, you'll notice that on the form, there are all zeros there. If it was an example, it would have in there 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. But it doesn't. It has all zeros. That's for a reason. Because as a private, what you're doing is you're taking your status from being married to this public citizenship, and now you're reclaiming your true status, which is that of a private citizen operating in dual citizenship, having control over that public entity, okay, having interest, have, having controlling interest in it, 
while walking on the private side. And on the private side, you're not numbered. But for all intents and purposes, to change that in Social Security uh, system and records, there has to be a number there. That's why on the example in the group, the numbers are filled in the way that they should be on your application. All right. Now, New York, California, I see you on the line. New York, I'm going to go ahead and bring you in. California, I'm going to bring you in. New York, you're unmute, unmuted. California, you're unmuted. If you just want to say hello, please do. If you got something to add to the conversation, feel free. The floor is yours. Hello. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'm muted. Yeah, that um, that bankruptcy, that bankruptcy put everything into context way back when, and it took the United States of America out of the position where they could start making changes. All the changes that they made would have had to been made prior to the bankruptcy. Everything after the bankruptcy is null and void. Because at that point, unless unless the terms and conditions of the bankruptcy allow them to hold certain certain um, certain assets or they were allowed to use certain assets, those assets were no longer their assets. They were property of of the people in charge of the bankruptcy. It wasn't even their property. It wasn't the creditor's property at the time. It was property of the people uh, 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 deploying the bankruptcy itself. Because before the creditor can get his money, it has to be so determined that whatever assets and whatever debits were assessed can be usable for whatever. So, in other words, they may not have had enough money to cover their ass. Right. So, so now they have to look at all their assets or whatever they had against whatever they owed, and then it had to be t- determined on paperwork whether they were still in debt based on the bankruptcy. Right. Because they put other – in other words, if you come up short – they're not just going to let you go and go, oh, yeah, all debt is forgiven, blah, blah. That's not what they're doing. That's not what they're doing. They have to make other contingencies based on what the assets were, what was provided, and what was the original debt. And then they have to go and determine if it was sufficient to be able to allow the debt to be paid. It hasn't been paid. Right. And then the verification of all these processes is paperwork that we cannot get. Right. Geneva is not going to allow us to see the paperwork. Not. No, they're not. They're not going to allow us to see it. They can't allow us to see the paperwork. Because they realize that once people see what's really taking place, all hell is going to break loose. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's definitely going to be a problem. 
the problem with using a paper is this. Here's the beautiful, here's the messed up part, here's the beautiful part. In order to have a lineage of paper, you have to have a starting point, you have to have an ending point. It's a logical, it's, in other words, you know, if you ever see a flow chart, uh, if you've ever looked into a troubleshooting manual for a car, it's a point-by-point situation. So engine doesn't start. Did you check the battery? Did you check the starter? Did you check the ignition? There's a point-by-point flow chart that's done in paper so that you have a lineage of logic, okay? Mm -hmm. There's a logic of truth. The logic of truth is established by the paperwork and by the point-by-point that you need to go by to get to the end result. So the paperwork is is uh, the, the paperwork that they're doing is done in the same manner. There has to be a starting point, an originating point, and a flow. It's called a flow chart. You have to have a flow chart from point to point that brings you to the final, the final chapter, to the final end, to the final result, to whatever you're looking for. The paperwork that they're using is missing components that allows you to establish beyond a shadow of a doubt or a preponderance of evidence, evidence that X, X is equal to Y is equal to Z. They're, they're, and it's done, it's done purposely because if you had the complete flowchart from start to finish, it would be so easy it didn't matter what words they were using because nobody's that ignorant. There's nobody that ignorant. And so what they had to do is they had to insert other other uh, discourse or words or other other possibilities into the situation to distract people from following the original plan. The original plan was based off of the number of bankruptcies. So it wasn't we're not just talking about one bankruptcy. It wasn't just nineteen thirty three. There's been, a, I think it was three bankruptcies total. And so now we have to look at a pattern. Okay, the last pattern was the most damaging because it took everything away from everybody. That's why that was so critical, and they couldn't repay it. They had, they had uh, uh, what's the best term, shot their load? Yeah. They had, no, they had nothing else. In other words, they didn't have anything else to bargain with. They had already ransacked Washington, D.C., and took all the real paper that was showing what was taking place. They destroyed all that. Mm-hmm. So now, 1933, now we have another one. Now there's nothing left. And I'm going, the people in Geneva that set up this whole thing because all that bankruptcy was coming out of the European area. So now we've got a situation where, they can't allow people to see what took place. You can't allow the paperwork, the paper trail, to be followed correctly. Even though we still have, you know, God's blessed us with people on this call who are, have done so much homework that we're coming to grips with the reality of the situation is something is rotten in Denmark and the United States. And we're seeing that because everybody's doing, we're doing a collaboration of so many people are starting to bring their information to the table that by the time you leave the table, 
you have a smorgasbord of information, and now everybody's starting to see it for themselves. And I think that's the real issue happening in America right now. Everybody's bringing their stuff to the table, and bit by bit, we're taking some off of Carol's plate. Carol brought that lovely apple dumpling information about how deep this thing goes into child support and the other information uh, of how many times that they're using the kids' information that aren't supposed to be in the system yet. Uh, Freeman's using the information about the oaths of office. You're bringing this information about uh, federalism and, and uh, the executive orders. I'm going, everybody's starting to feed off of the information, and they're starting to get fat with the information and the nutrients and vitamins of truth that are being injected, and we're starting to see the reality of the situation. And now it's becoming more and more plain. It's becoming so obvious you can't ignore it anymore. And, and you're 100% right. I got to agree with you all the way on this. You're 100% right. And the bottom line is this. When it comes down to it, so much is going to come out. So much is going to come out that people are going to have one of two choices, either to ignore it like they've been ignoring it or get pissed and say, okay, that's it. That's all I can stand. I can't stand no more of this. And do something that would put themselves in a position to say, okay, that doesn't affect me. That doesn't apply to me. It's happening, and it's happening. It's happening every day. And the more the more we get together, the more dangerous that we're getting in terms of understanding the complexity of a lie because there's so many, like Carol brought out before, there's so many layers of this. We would never have thought unless she had ever brought that up, Mark. You know, I'm really happy that she brought that into play, yeah. that they're taking the numbers off of original things because, because it's getting, they're getting so desperate in what they're doing. They're taking numbers and they're interpolating the numbers, and they're just changing this or a little bit of that, and they're still using all the numbers because the numbers have never been assigned. And I'm going, it's so rampant. We don't have, we don't really have, we don't really have a clue until somebody like her brings that information just to open our eyes because our eyes are just now starting to open up. And when we get a little bit of sunlight in and we start seeing stuff, it's almost like, wow, that's so bright. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. It's so bright, but we start to see it, and then, you know, when we start taking it in and start looking at it and start putting it into our own, putting it on our own plate and we start taking it in, then after a period of time, we can allow it to start doing what it's to do, which is to give us the, the information to help our own individual case. And mm -hmm. after we help our own individual case, we can see how to help other people's case. We can't just do it right out the blue. I don't, it's a progress, and it's a progress of taking back your position by use of the paperwork that they've always been doing to when we start doing our own paperwork and establishing ourselves as the administrators of our own account. Our paperwork is representative of our stand our stance, our learned understanding 
that we are now in control, then we have to operate a certain way. And that means that we have to learn how to carry and live in the words and the truth established by our own paperwork. Mm-hmm. And, and so that... part of this is if you don't know enough about what you're doing, and for the people on this call who are just starting to do this or want to do it, if you don't know what you're doing, don't do the paperwork. Mm-hmm. Get with somebody else who, so that you have an idea of what, you're, of what you might encounter or what the ramifications of what you're doing are. Because just because you can, you can send the paperwork off doesn't mean that you know how to handle some type of mishap if they come back at you. Right. You don't know what you're doing. They come back at you. You could have just signed yourself away for a life of uh, maybe a year or six months in prison mm-hmm. just because of your own paperwork. You know, I think that I think that's real important. Yeah, let me shut up. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Please, please, please. You, 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 you on a roll here. I just want to add to what you're saying. You know, I don't want to detract from it, but um. 100% right. We we we've had we've had Carol. We've had uh Truth Freeman. We've had Rod Class. We've had um what's his name? Um Clifford. We've also had the other guy uh from Canada. I can't remember his name right now. Uh Menard. 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 Um Boris. We've also had um you know other people that we have uh gotten stuff from been down this road and I think that it's very important like you said for us to really we're going to do this we're going to do this I think we're going to because I'm not going to put you in that category but if you want to do this and you're just starting please please align yourself with somebody who knows or who's been down that road listen to what they're telling you Go and verify it for yourself. Work with them and just do what you got to do. Because all of this sitting around, all of this sitting around and just waiting to see what happens, that's like uh, saying, okay, you know, I'm just waiting for the steamroller to come over here and get close to me so I can see if I can get out the way at the last minute. You really don't want to be in that position. But you're 100% right. What's coming out here is the truth about certain things and what's really taking place and what's really been going on. And I'm grateful for those who went before me. Yeah. And I want to reiterate because my new thing is this. My new thing is that we, um, as, um, as, as real live men and women have have had another venue that to operate on for a long time, that venue was the truth. This this government was established like every other government that and every other nation that's been before us has had an opportunity to do the right thing that was established a long time ago, which was to operate in truth. So God presented that to his people a long time ago. And every government that's had an opportunity to be at the top of the food chain 
has had an opportunity to live in truth. You know, first thing was first allegiance to God, then your fellow man, then yourself. It's like that was the foundation of it. And everybody started off doing that. Everybody started off doing that. And every last one of the governments from Rome all the way down has failed to keep it up. And everyone that failed to keep it up failed to be head of the food chain. It's it's amazing. And so now we're down to America, and the government was established the same way. Everything was founded on truth. The judicial system, all of that, the people knew what they were supposed to do. They set it up like that. And the further we get away from that foundation is the more screwed up the whole process gets. And mm-hmm. every time they add another law, they try to twist it and pervert it from what it was supposed to be. This, yeah, this, because... this thing was established on, on truth. This government was established under truth, established from God himself. And, and regardless of how you want to chop it up, it's always coming back to the same thing. They're perverting what was supposed to be because they – the forefront and the foundation of it that God was supposed to be in government has been thrown out the window, and we can see the results of it. Mm-hmm. They don't want any evidence in the court. Look at your case. You know what's going on. I'm surprised you didn't even tell anybody about that. I'm surprised about that, how, you, how the court system doesn't know what to do when you start bringing common law in, how they can't handle common law. They're outside of their jurisdiction. The only thing you brought it up, you brought it up a little bit today. Executive mm-hmm. administrators have no right to establish a common law judgment. Why? Outside of their freaking jurisdiction. Yep. You can't touch that. And now all the perpetrations of fraud that you've done across the board to everybody, it wasn't done based on authorization. It was based on contract and fraud. Mm-hmm. No, I'm sorry. I'm getting a little hyped up. I'm getting all warm. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry it's about good. that. It's good, though. It, it's really, really good. But, yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, the uh, the case that I'm working with, you know, at this point, like you said, these um, these administrators really seem not to know what to do with you know, that 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 paperwork because it's a presentment and it's a presentment from who they work for. That's the whole thing. When we got this when we got all these papers authenticated, when we got the affidavit authenticated, the original standing order, the judges I mean the commissioner's oath, who is also an executive administrator, the birth certificate of the child involved, when we got all of those things authenticated what I realized is that they turned into presentments from the United States. Now you're in a catch-22 situation here if you're on that side as an administrator because here is the entity that you are subordinate to telling you these presentments have full faith and credit. So the affidavit, full faith and credit. The birth certificate, full faith and credit. The original standing order, full faith and credit. Right. He opens the commissioner, full faith and credit, which puts the commissioner in a double bind because now the United States is recognizing, yeah, you took an oath to us and we're going to give this full faith and credit that you're right. doing the right thing. Right. 
what you're going to do, turn around and say, no, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to honor this presentment. Are you kidding me? You can't contract that way either because, hey, we didn't use any statutes. We didn't use any codes. We didn't use any of that stuff. We just put the facts there. We put the truth. Here are the facts. These are true facts. Now we've got endorsements from the Secretary of State, the Department of Justice, as well as the, as other <coughs> Department of State, all giving this full faith and credit. What are you going to do? Say, oh, no, we, you know, we, we're we not going to make a ruling on this? Okay, then answer the question as to why not. Order to show cause. Why aren't you going to honor their presentment to you? Catch 22. You're going to do it, but see, here's the thing. As executive administrators, you know, making decisions on statutes and codes, that's the position they're relegated to. Executive administrators, because there is no judiciary. So since there are no statutes and codes there, it's like, uh, what the hell do I do with this? What am I supposed to do? Do your job. You want to play the part? All right. Now Now be the part. Now you have to be the part, and all of these, and what it amounts to is this. Now, I keep thinking about this because I'm, I'm so blown away about the prospects of what this brings to the table. These are all foreign jurisdiction. It was a foreign ju- jurisdiction, uh, a, a, a foreign um, uh, order that you brought in. It had already been established. And now when you sent it out to all these places for verification processes, what happened was this. They all established the same thing, that this was already complete under all these foreign jurisdictions. Now, if the state already verified what the reality of the situation was, you can't do anything else but follow suit because it's already been verified. Right. And now, if you wanted to take it out to another jurisdiction, here's the problem. It's already been verified. So there's no jurisdiction left that you could take this other than a fraudulent one. You could do something different, but you would have to place yourself in fraud, and you would have to be shattering the foundation of whatever you've ever claimed to be now. I love it. I'm sorry. I get a little hyped with this. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> because I, I, I knew it was going to have in, I knew when you told me what you were doing, I knew it was going to have impact but, you know, the more I started thinking about it, I'm waiting for somebody to come back, and I'm going, they don't really want to entertain what you did because there's no way for them to go on that. They can't make a decision on something else. All the decision-making processes have already been established, and they've already been approved by everybody. Right. What yeah. jurisdiction could you make a decision on? The only one left is a fraudulent one. That's the only thing that's left. Because we took the ball out of their court, brought it into our court. Right. And now it's like they're trying to change the rules of the game, but this is not their game. Right. They're stuck in a sense. It's like you're you're stuck with this position. Okay, but here's something that says that speaks to the other side of it. It says, okay, 
Here it is. We're presenting this to you. The United States is presenting this to you for the benefit of the United States. Right. Whom you were subordinate to. Who you right. swore an oath to. Who you swore allegiance to. Are you going to dishonor our work? Are you that you got us? grant money. That you got grants from. Right. How are you going to cut the throat of a provision set up to benefit the United States? That's You know what that's called? That's called biting the hand that feeds you. That's what that's called. Mm-hmm. And all in all, all in all, hey, it's done. It's over. And they're trying to convert it into something else. It appears, appears. Now, we haven't pretty much gotten through the whole thing yet, so I can't really say that, okay, well, with any kind of, you know, assurance, that, okay, this is what I know that they have tried to do. I could say it appears. It appears that this is what they've tried to do or are trying to do at this point. Now, until they make a move, a definitive move, then um, we'll know exactly where we need to go with this. But if they make a move that um, is contrary to the presentment, because remember, that full faith and credit clause has to apply everywhere. Right. Everywhere. We could take this to Texas. Right. You put it into the court in Texas, and guess what? Texas has to give credit to it if we're bringing it into the jurisdiction. Why? Because they're subordinate to the United States right. in that capacity. So, yeah, the authentications, the verifications, they work. Oh, they really work. And, you know, we were talk, We talked about this before. And for those people who think that you have to go in the court, yeah, you can go in the court. But I'm going to tell you what. I've seen so many different things work where the, where the, where the, the executive administrators um, don't, they don't want to handle it. They don't want to handle what you bring in. They don't want to handle it. It doesn't, I'm going to tell you like this, it doesn't, no, I'm not a whiz. I'm not a guru. I'm just a goofy. I'm just a goofy truck driver. You know what I'm saying? But I've dropped paperwork on different states, and you know, the biggest thing that you can do is start asking them questions based on the information that you know. You don't have to. You don't. You don't have. You're not required to know everything. We can't possibly know the ins and outs of everything. But it's just the little stuff that you know to ask them. I'm going to tell you like this. It's going to seem like a miracle when you put your little, you know, you think, to me personally, I think my little questions are corny and they don't have any effect until I start putting them in. You know, I say my prayers and I send my paperwork in, and then all of a sudden you get a letter back that goes, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to dismiss that. And I'm going, are you kidding me? I don't even know what I was doing. You know, I'm like, you know, you've seen it happen many, many times where, it's like you send a stupid letter, and all of a sudden now they don't want to – they're dismissing you. Or or what's the other thing, Mark? You told me that they used to do in Jersey. They uh, they knew your number, and when you called, they would answer, yeah, Mr. Yarbrough. They, would, they already knew who it was. Mm-hmm. You're not telling these people about that where they know who you are. They don't want to talk to us. They don't want to be bothered with what we know. They don't want to be bothered because the bottom line is they know that we know something 
and we're not letting go because we're like a pit bull stuck on a hind quarter. And you know when a pit bull gets gets stuck on a hind quarter, he ain't going nowhere. Yeah, he ain't going nowhere. Mm-mm. He ain't going nowhere. Not at all. So the bottom line, the bottom line, and this is the bottom line, is that we have to know, and you said this before, you got to know what you're dealing with and who you're dealing with. And the rules of the game are simple, and they've been laid out for us, and I see them now. You know, military-industrial complex, you know, martial processes under provisional government, presumptions and assumptions that don't necessarily have anything backing them except for maybe an application you filled out where you declared this to be this, but you didn't really know, but you can always go back and correct it. So, you know, basically, it's the bottom line for everything. You know, it, it, it just is what it is. And we have to really, really be serious about what it is we're going to do. You know, if you're going to do this, do it. Don't don't pussyfoot around with it. Don't play with it. You know, don't don't sit up here and say, well, oh, you know, I'll do it tomorrow or whatever, whatever. The time to do it is now because, like I said before, these people are playing for keeps. They don't give a damn about anybody else but themselves. That's against the laws of our creator. That's, that's put it like this, that's a violation of the trust that our creator has given us to love, number one, him, love our fellow man, and then love ourselves. So when you put yourself, you put themselves in a position of love above anybody else, you know, there's a problem. Because we're all supposed to be stewards of the planet, of things that we have on the planet, including each other. Am I supposed to be my brother and sister's keeper? Yes, I am. Have they been doing that? They sold themselves out. They sold themselves out for riches and wealth or whatever they perceive to be of value or or, or great things, you know, and as as it says, they've already received their reward here on earth. Right. Now, when it comes time to judge actions, what they're going to say, oh, I was just doing my job. Also, your job was to go ahead and dishonor God and dishonor your brothers and sisters and put yourself out first. Didn't somebody already try that eons ago? And didn't they get kicked out of the heavens for doing that? Didn't they receive a partial punishment already for doing that? Think about it. Think about it. Same old, same old game. It's the same thing. Nothing new under the sun. Vanity of vanities. Nothing, nothing else, nothing else. Guess two, how else can I get that without doing the PDF filler? Okay. Tell you what, guess two. You go to 
IRS website. Do a search in the form that you're looking for. Form 2848 to revoke power of attorney at the IRS level, which let me speak to that, which is very important. At the IRS level, okay, we understand that they um, they have a lot to do with transactions. And um, once you go to the uh, website, which I did, because actually Carol gave me that, that advice, and, you know, that information, I should say, I said, well, hey, why don't you go to the website and look up Form 2848. And follow the instructions, read them. They're very easy to follow. And what this 2848 form is, is an application for power of attorney at the IRS level so that, you know, those who are using the back door to pillage your estate and make you a surety for it, such as the municipal corporations that are run under this municipal regional government, going in the back door, pillaging your estate, making you the surety and responsible party for it. Once you file that form, it's my understanding that once they go and submit paperwork to the Internal Revenue Service, oh, that's blocked now. That's blocked. And funny thing is, when I um, started looking at documents for child support and how they're actually garnishing people's wages, it's a form FL-150, FL-150. Okay, you get that off the IRS website too. It's an, it's an, it's a presumed power of attorney that allows them to go in and take your wages. All they have to do is file it. All they have to do is file it, because somehow they've got your name and or signature to um to go ahead and say, okay, yeah, we can do this. And they go in there and basically, you know, it's honored and whatever procedure, whatever they're using. And um they go um they go in and basically present this and then next thing you know your employer is, you know, giving up your wages. Why? Presume power of attorney. Form twenty eight forty eight. You can actually get that form and it'll tell you in the instructions if you want to do a power of attorney, fill this out. If you would like to revoke power of attorney, write the word revoke at the top of the first box where the word application appears. So in other words, instead of applying for it so that you can get something, what you're now doing is you're saying, okay, revoke application for power of attorney. Now, if you don't know who you're revoking because God knows how many times and how many events have occurred where these forms have been brought in and they've been granted, you may not know everyone that you need to revoke. So in the instructions, they tell you on these lines, fill in all time periods slash persons. Each and every form where they ask you who, that's what you put there, all time periods slash persons. Send them the application certified, mail. So they get it, and guess what? They go to work on it and revoke all those powers of attorney. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, we definitely, definitely, definitely need to get with this. And, you know, people, we, we as James Brown used to say, we got to get on a good foot with this. So, you want to see changes? Okay, take the fear, set it on the counter, and say, hey, you stay there, I might come back to you later. But otherwise, if I don't, I'm abandoning you, okay? And then take to yourself some courage, some wisdom, some knowledge. And do what you need to do based on the truth that you already know exists inside of you. Yeah, I want to I want to give a shout out, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna um, get off the line here. I just want to give a shout out to all the people that have. Um, uh, uh, even the people that have only done a little bit. There's a, what's the late the lady that was on last week? She talked about um, she talked about uh, her process that she had done and the improvement that she had saw when the state troopers instead of harassing her what was it no marshals they were harassing. That was Renee. That was Renee. Yeah, I just want to give a shout out to all the people that have been you know, just putting the information out there as um, as a reservoir for all the other people that are, are making these journeys. It's like we're crossing some type of uh, desert. And, and when they deposit that information out there to give us a, a reality check on what's taking place, to me it's like a reservoir in the middle of a desert where other people can kind of feed so that the trek that they're making allows them to keep going. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, to Carol, to True Freeman, to you, to Renee, to all the people that I don't even know, the people that make comments and bring information up, you know, to all the people that are looking to move forward that, you know, that I don't necessarily get a opportunity to address on a one-to-one, I, you know, I just want to give a big uh, shout-out of thank you for for what you do because, uh, you can you can take what people say uh, negatively or positively and use it as energy for your travels, but it's so much better when it comes in a positive format. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So to all those who have offered their input, information, goodwill, and um, and and evidence of their process, which is evidence that they. They're just a man or woman, just like we are, you know. So I take that as 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 a as a like a cheerleader cheering us on. I, I kind of want to look at it like that. I just want to say thank you to all the people that that have uh, brought their processes to light, so that we could all see that it's possible. You know what I mean? Yes. Mm-hmm. And I wanna I tell you what I'll take the time out to do the same thing and give a shout out to all of those who 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 stood and who stood in and who, you know, just pretty much held their chin up, stuck their chest out and handled it. You know, True Freeman, you know, basically going in there and just taking it to him the way that he does. And Carol, you know, with the way that she finds out what's going on and puts it all together and then basically tells him, you know, hey, okay, you want to play this game? Okay, I know exactly what's going on. You know, and other people, you know, Renee and David, you know, you, uh, everybody, 
everybody, you know, who, who's who's going on ahead to say, hey, look, we can do this. We don't have to be scared. You know, we don't have to be fearful. You know, there's nothing to really be afraid of, you know. And, I mean, basically, I mean, the worst has already been done. The wow. worst has already been done. It, it, there's really not much lower that you can go on this totem pole to do anything worse. Because, you know, everything that's going on now, you know, we, we see it, we know what's going on, but, hey, get yourself together. Take care of your home first, you know. Get your status corrected, please. I'm, 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 I'm putting out a, I'm imploring at this point. Don't sit up here and wait and say, I'll do it tomorrow. You know, if you're going to do it, do it. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. If you make a deal with a venomous snake, it's going to bite you. Mm-hmm. No matter how many mice you go out and get it, no matter how many, you know, different varieties of things that it likes to have and ingest that you give to it, there's going to be that one day when it's going to bite you. And you're going to look and wonder, why in the world did you bite me? Because that's just what I do. You can't trust me. You just can't. Yeah, it may be okay for a little while, and I might be docile and compliant and dormant, but I'm just waiting for that moment to strike because it's in their nature. In their nature. Can't help it. It's just what they do. So it's not personal. <laughs> nothing personal. It's just nothing. business, right? It's just business. <clears throat> it's just business. So listen, everyone. Um, here's what I'm going to throw out here. Um, we got homework. We got information in the chat. If uh, <laughs> anybody else has anything, please type it in the chat now or. Star six, I believe, to raise your hand. I'll bring you in on the call and let you have the floor. Um, I'll give you, you know, a few seconds here, but check out that executive order that I posted. You know, read that thing. It tells you, basically gives you a hint and a heads up as to what's really going on and what's happening, okay? But, you know, I implore you, please, please, for the sake of your family, for the sake of your children, for the sake of the people you love, be that example. Sometimes you have to stand as an army of one, as a nation of one. And I even posted, uh, I even posted uh, a picture to one of my social medias. It says, uh, people always think that we're crazy when we come up with ideas. But when we have the solution, then we're regarded as geniuses. Sometimes you got to go against the grain. You know, you can't be a part of the status quo. You can't be a sheeple. You can't be with the herd. That's what they want, a herd mentality. You know, everybody just comply and everybody just do this and so on, so on, so on, so And it may look menacing at first, but if you know what you know and you stand on it, it can't touch you. That's the rule. All right, Bola, I'm going to bring you in, guy. I see you got your hand up. All right, Bowler. 
Now unmuted. Hey there. I was wondering uh, if you put that link in there for uh, PDF filler. What's that all about? Well, PDF filler is an app, is an online application. It's a tool that you can use to actually fill in and edit PDFs and save them and email them and print them and fax them and scan them and all of that stuff, share them. What it does is it just makes it easy for you to complete forms in a nice-looking way and format and then save them, print them out, and then send them to wherever. Because as you know, sometimes if you have Adobe or Faucet Reader or some kind of other application, not all the time do they allow you to edit things. Well, this actually does. It allows you to change wording, go back. You know, if you want to put something in, you want to take something out, uh, you want to bold something, you want to uh, change the font, you know, you got an application that you want to fill out, you want to type it in, there it is, just upload it. Or if you need to find an application, PDF Filler has about, I think, what is it, over 10,000 applications, paper forms or whatever, or forms that you can search for and find and upload to your filler and fill them in. Okay. So it's just makes um, it very, very easy and very simple for us to be able to do or people to be able to do what it is they need to do. Well, I signed up. I was trying to. What I was getting at is what I wrote in the chat there. Um, trying to find that DS11 example. Okay, that's um, that's in the group flip side. What I can do. Um, see, um, I don't know if I can actually document share here. Um, here's what I'll do. We're on. Um, we're actually on scene. So yeah, I got you on there, and I got your flip side group on there too, and um, on unseen. I actually wrote my unseen right in the chat there. Okay, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go to scene, and um, in our flip side group on scene, I'm gonna upload the example document there so you can see what it looks like, and then just follow the pattern after that example. So I'll do that today, and then okay, that way you can go ahead and take a look, and um, you know you can see, you know what you need to see there. I'll, I'll link your group up here. All right, cool. All right, All right anybody else? No problem, Bowler. All right, if anybody else um has anything, you know, please go ahead and raise your hand, or uh, go ahead and speak. But if nobody else has anything, then I guess we'll go ahead and conclude this call. And um, let's go ahead and uh, do some homework. We got we got some um, some links here to look at and think about what's going on, and then make your own choice. Make your own choice. All right, everybody. I thank you for being on the call. I appreciate you week after week in the support. And um, have a great week. See you back here again on Sunday.